Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined with our guest super producer, Ben Super Shifter Hackett. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. As we described previously, we've been on the road for a bit. We're so happy to get back together, not just with us, but with some of our fellow conspiracy realists who will be joining us on air today for our weekly listener mail segment. We are going to explore some stuff about ICP. We're going to get a message from Medic Grandma. We're going to talk about medically assisted suicide in Canada. Many people wrote to us with their experiences. And, uh, you know, we might mess around with ChatGPT a little bit. It's the hot kid on the block, right? Uh, but before we do any of that, we're thinking we're going to begin with an email from our friend Tone about something pretty, pretty wild. Uh, you know, it's no secret. We recently got our show on TikTok. We've been doing a lot of, a lot of TikTok things. Uh, and uh, I think we're all aware of the recent hubbub about banning TikTok. You guys remember reading about this? Yeah, it sort of came and went, right? Like, oh, a couple of times where they made some concessions. And then recently there was some sort of statement. And now it seems to have petered out a little bit. Well, there are definitely bans within the federal government of any mm, federal sure, employees an using an it. outright ban, like, you mm -hmm. know, for the the, the Xennials. Mm -hmm. Well, here is where our pal Tone comes into play. Tone says the following. Uh, hey, fellas, you may remember me as Tone. I wrote to you all a few months ago about a weird noise and a few other tangentially related phenomena that affected me in a short period of time. Quick update on that. The FBI hasn't contacted me since then, but I'm definitely on a watch list or two. We've been right there with you, Tone. As a matter of fact, Tone says, who is it? Am I right? <laughs> You're right. Uh, <laughs> however, says Tone, that's not the reason for this email. I'm back with my tinfoil hat to suggest a topic I'd like to hear your opinions on the Restrict Act, or as I like to call it, Patriot Act II Electric Boogaloo. All I've seen about it in the media is in regards to banning TikTok, but if you take even a cursory glance at the bigger picture, you'll notice that it is much more nefarious than that. Barring the fact that many of the proponents of this bill own stock in competing social media companies, cough, cough, meta, cough, cough, barring even still. The fact that the biggest shareholders in those competing social media companies and the MSM, which we take to mean mainstream media as a whole, are Vanguard and BlackRock, the danger 
which I'm referring to, lies within the vague wording and broad definitions in the bill. TikTok would just be the start. This bill effectively grants a non-elected committee access to any and all devices and services connected to the Internet so long as they have more than one million users, are owned by foreign adversaries, and C, the acting president deems them a threat. Uh, we're going to elide some of this because an in-depth email. Thank you, Tone. We love these. Uh, Tone says this means everything from websites and video games to mobile apps and even the cameras in your home could be affected. That's pretty crazy. We can, um, well, let's let's add in this last part. Tone notes that the Restrict Act threatens any U.S. citizen that attempts to subvert the bill with felony consequences in the form of a fine up to $1 million and up to 20 Whoa. years in prison. Right. So, sort of like tampering with a smoke alarm on an airplane. No, right. way, way worse. Take, way taking worse. the tag off the mattress. Mm-hmm. We know what you did. Uh, so, <laughs> so with this, like, okay, the Restrict Act, I think like a lot of people, I first heard about it in relation to uh, TikTok, but it does seem pretty pretty broad dangerously so have you guys heard much about this outside of tiktok well i'm thinking about companies like niantic that we saw a gorgeous activation at south by <laughs> southwest recently for love a good uh, activation <laughs> yeah, um, of, of pokemon go fame but also prior to that of like nsa fame right when, when they're a connection or they were like a contractor or a vendor for some kind of surveillance government Unit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have the full story there, but I am thinking about a lot of the games that show up in like the the app store or the play store or whatever that are that have a ton of users, right? Over a million users are probably game oriented and data mining oriented. Yeah, a hundred percent. Don't put me on your phone screen with the Pokemon Go. No, I know. It's like, you please, Pokemon your face Go up. away. When, when I, we, <laughs> ah, let's go. Hey, go, Pokemon, go to the polls. <laughs> the hot sauce that's in my bag. I'm Hillary Clinton. I remember when I had my five minutes of Pokemon Go dumb, and we were out uh, at our spot, and you were not having it. <laughs> you were like, I'm like, nah, man, there's a Snorlax on your book. You're like, get that thing away from me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I probably trend paranoid. It, it is known as There's they nothing used to wrong say. With that. It's a smart move. Knowing song. what we know, we know too much. It is known as they say it's song of ice and fire, but it is uh, it is reasonable. And I I know we love acronyms on this show, so I wanted to give you the full name of the Restrict Act. Uncle Sam's very cutesy with these. It is the restricting the emergence of security threats that risk information and community communications technology. Super rolling off the tongue there. Love uh, it. It's also a bipartisan bill. It's been led, the charge is being led by two senators, Mark Warner, a Democrat from Virginia, and John Thune, a Republican from South Dakota. This does seem to be, well, cartoonishly broad first, uh, but it also seems to be um, something that's going to bore a lot of people. And I would Mm. argue maybe by design, the same way that came campaign finance reform is super boring, right? Uh, Because it super matters. Uh, The Restrict Act is targeting a a genuine security risk. Like, it's true. The Chinese government, should they wish, can leverage data mined from TikTok. Just like you pointed out, Matt, a lot of these games ultimately are there to figure out your habits, your location, to learn more about you than you may consciously be aware of when you click the old terms and agreements. But where does this become dangerous? I mean, the idea kind of goes into a vibe check. You know, that that third thing that Tone just named, the acting president deems them a threat. The acting president is one person out of so right. what one person out of three more than 300 30-some million, one person goes, I don't like it. I think that gif is dumb. Well, to be fair, it would be an advisor, right? Probably from some big company, (laughs) BlackRock, (laughs) who comes forward and says, hey, we need to get rid of this. And then the president eventually hears about it and goes, oh, BlackRock? Yeah, sure. Whatever it is, just say yeah. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's all 100%. I almost brought to the strange news table a story about BlackRock in San Diego where they bought a ton of the affordable housing 
in 2021 and mm-hmm. racked up the prices by 40 to 60%, which is illegal. Uh, they're only allowed to hike it up 10% uh, year over year. That's mm-hmm. the maximum you can hike up the prices. Anyway, <clears throat> BlackRock. Ah, uh, BlackRock. Yes. <laughs> you know them. You know them. They're buying up neighborhoods near you. Uh, and that might be true, actually. Check out our early investigations on the way investment companies and other institutions are leveraging algorithms to see how far they can gouge housing prices before breaking society. And they are threading the needle there, and it's not going to get better soon. Forever <laughs> so, renters? That's mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Matt did write the tagline for their commercials. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, here's Here's the twist, though. For a lot of us listening, you might be saying, well, I already knew TikTok was sketchy. I don't mess around with with that. It's clearly an op or has the opportunity to be an op. You're it's correct. an op op? Sorry. It's an op op. It's an op op. Uh, but while you are correct about that, friends, neighbors, countrymen, let me rears. Uh, while you're correct about that, uh, it does, this Restrict Act does potentially still apply to you in a very dangerous way. Because as it's written now, it could criminalize the use of VPNs across the board. Uh, Yeah, because think about it. More than 1 million users, that's a lot of VPN companies, owned by quote-unquote foreign adversaries. That's kind of in the eye of the beholder. And then the acting president does a vibe check and doesn't dig it. VPN, as easily as TikTok. Whoa. So we need need an American VPN company. Oh, and then it wouldn't work, right? (laughs) What's the one that we always talk about? Express. Yeah, ExpressVPN. There's NordVPN. Yeah. Uh, Why is this important? Well, VPNs get a bad name sometimes in the mainstream because they are associated with sketchy acts online. However, like any other technology, It's probably dual use, if not multiple use. And we have to remember that VPNs provide a mission-critical ability, a mission-critical access and opportunity to people living under the thumb of authoritarian governments, to people who are organizing protests, to people who are right now fighting, possibly dying, in the pursuit of equality and human rights. Not everybody in a VPN is just trying to get, you know, is trying to get like an illegal rip of the latest Marvel movie or something. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, I would say the, and this is just opinion. Love to hear disagreement here. As always, keep us honest. I would argue that the benefits of VPN as a technology outweigh the consequences. What do you guys think? I agree. I have a question too. Uh, Do you guys think that torrenting is up now that like the streaming wars have gotten so beyond ridiculous and no one knows where anything is anymore? Like I don't know pirating of media. It's been a long time since I've seen any of that, so I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I I know that torrenting as of twenty twenty two is still considered a thing, but it wasn't. Um, I think it was a function of people just not being able to find stuff. And that's what I'm be, saying. Yeah, right. Like it's, like, uh, yeah. It's sort of like more of a crime of oppor- not oppor- no a crime of inconvenience. <laughs> you know there what I we mean? go. Yeah, because I mean we've basically gotten back to the place where you know if you add up all of the different a la carte streaming services, you may well be paying more than you used to pay for cable when when that was you know the issue or the heart mm-hmm. of the issue. And it's kind of you know at some point I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon or a sourpuss, but at some point I like many other entities was just saying, come on. Guys, do you need your own special streaming service? I get it. I love one of your shows. But do do you need it? Can't you just sell that to someone else who sells it to me? You know, (laughs) it's just it's strange uh, because you're absolutely right, Noel. It did that balkanization of streaming services did create the problem that was originally meant to solve or it sort of accelerated Mm -hmm. or reinforced that problem. Just put it in a different shape. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's just mm-hmm. all spread out now. Mm-hmm. I do, I do wonder about VPNs though. Sometimes but going yeah. back to your question there, Ben, um, because I think I see what you're saying. If a VPN wasn't available to anyone who wanted to buy it, then 
you if you were doing some super nefarious thing and you knew you had to be online to do it, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you could create a VPN uh, type situation for yourself. You wouldn't need a giant infrastructure to make that happen. If you were a proper, you know, computer criminal. <laughs> well, yeah. Or not even, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, I, I imagine that someone that's trying to do cyber crimes aren't using ExpressVPN because, you know, they would still have to probably turn over your data in the event of an investigation, right? To mm-hmm. show, you know, what your what your traffic was and, and, and how you had masked it. Do they promise complete anonymity or is there an event where they could be subpoenaed? They promise to try. Okay. <laughs> Which is, uh, I, I think, a valid promise to make uh, but if something can be built it can also be broken right mm-hmm. that's been true ever since the invention of the wheel this that sounds weird but it also yes valid uh, but we also have to see the larger pattern right uh, legislation again is eternally outpaced by technological innovation and a lot of times the people making the laws about this stuff don't understand the full ramifications of, of what they're trying to rule on. And we see this pattern that before, before TikTok, people were worried about Kaspersky Lab from Russia or Hawaii, you know, like this, this is a continuing pattern. And this, I think, is going to be a full episode depending on how TikTok plays out. So what I suggest we do now is ask you, our fellow conspiracy realist, to give us your thoughts on the Restrict Act. Do you think it's good? Do you think it's overhyped? Do you think people using VPNs are criminals? Is Pandora's jar already open? Is this going to be enough to stem the tide? We don't know. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com, 1-833-STD-WYTK. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. We'll be back with more messages from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Um, Fellas, did did y'all see uh, the, the... TikTok congressional hearing at all with CEO Xiao Chu as he was uh, quote unquote grilled by lawmakers. The question about the Wi-Fi. Yeah, man. That's yeah, the that was one. hilarious. But it literally, oh uh, yeah, they, they ask it, like, I forget who it was, but it was definitely like a boomer go home kind of situation where this lawmaker was like, so can TikTok access your wireless network? <laughs> the CEO just pauses for me. He's like, 
Yes, in order to get online, TikTok needs to access your wireless network. Which, yeah, it was like, well, if you give it access to Wi-Fi, yes. he goes, so it can the access internet. your wireless network. Yeah, yeah. He's like, do I have the, to explain yeah. smartphones yeah. today? Is that yeah. what today is? Our country is run by people older than your parents. All right, here yeah. we go. So <laughs> I'm of the understanding that they have phones with no wires in them whatsoever. What is this black magic? <laughs> and I don't know why I had an image of BlackRock in my head again. I don't know why again, guys, but I keep seeing the monolith, the black monolith. You know which one I'm talking uh, about. Uh, yes. The ones the monkeys are hitting with the Yeah, bones. dude, that's the black yeah. rock. Uh, I think so. I don't know. It's just a theory. All right, guys, we, a long time ago, because we're just now catching up on voicemails uh, from like last month, we talked about at one point how the insane clown posse was being categorized as a gang. Do you remember yeah. this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the FBI. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we got a message from Mohawk Mick, who we've heard from before, and he had a story to tell us. So here it goes. Hey, guys. Mohawk Mick again. So I figured I might as well chime in with my little two cents on the uh, Juggalo gang situation. Um, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I was arrested for possession of a single solitary joint. I was uh, pulled over for speeding. They found a joint in my pocket, and I had to go into jail for the weekend. I've been arrested many times for possession of marijuana before, and uh, I was used to it, thinking no big deal. I'd go to court and get on probation at worst and let out in the morning, or by Monday, rather. And uh, so I walk into where they have me uh, scheduled to within the jail, and it was a new part of the jail I'd never seen before. And instantly, upon being set into a cage with uh, 150 bunks in it, I had men walking up to me asking me what set I was repping. Now, because I, of course, am a street kid a little bit, I knew what they meant, and they were asking me what gang I belonged to, and I started giggling, like, I'm not a gang, dude. I just got arrested for a joint. It's no big deal. And, of course, the little jumpy kid decided to get in my face, talking about, yo, bro, this is a gang unit, dude. You ain't repping your set. You're going to get knifed in here. So, of course, I walk over to the CO. I explained to him, I said, sir, so this is a misunderstanding. I've been misclassified. I do not belong in the gang unit. He does a clicky-clacky on the computer. Tells me tattoo left shoulder. That's where I have my hatchet man tattoo because I am a, a juggalo. It's my family. That is my friends. We take care of each other on these streets in a way that uh, gangs even don't even take care of each other. And so I had to turn around and announce to the entire pod of 150 actual gangbangers that I'm a juggalo. And that's why I'm classified in here. And FBI has recently put us on the gang list. And if any of you have a problem with that, I'll be on my bunk reading a book. And one by one, every one of those gangs sent over someone to speak with me and tell me that I was cool with their set. They had a juggalo friend, a juggalo cousin, or a juggalo in their set. And it ended up being all right, and I ended up on the spades table with a whole bunch of gangbangers. But imagine being maybe someone not quite like me, maybe someone a little more suburbia, just thought you'd uh, outlash at your parents and get a a hatchet man tattoo because you like some music, and then one day maybe get uh, picked up for the most innocuous charge and end up in a gang unit. Imagine how that might change your life real quick, fast, and in a hurry. Maybe get you associated with the wrong types of people, the wrong crowd. Kind of looks like it could have backfired on the U.S. government. But anyway, this is Mohawk Mick. You can always use my voice, my name. I wear my stuff on my shoulder, and I don't care who knows what it is. Y'all have a great day. I'm out. Classic. Dang, that's fantastic. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Never Dude, thought right? about that side of it, the ramifications of what a classification like that means. That's 100%. so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, man, I just wanted to play that because it is firsthand experience of the danger of being uh, gang associated, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what group you're in. I thought they declassified it, though. I thought they pulled it off or the, of the list. Is that not the oh, case? I don't know. My God. Well, I mean, I, did he say how recently this was? I, I didn't catch that. He's talking about, you know, back, he's reporting a story about a month ago or so, but oh, the, the okay. IC, ICP is currently, um, I mean, they're still currently going back and forth with the FBI over that designation to the great point you raised, Mohawk Mick, being put in uh, like a gang unit highly raises your chances of what's called recidivism which means your odds of going back into some form of incarceration. And we know the justice system 
if we're still calling it that here in the U.S., is incredibly flawed and imperfect. Uh, recidivism rates here are so high at times that one must ask whether it is by design, whether it is a bug or a feature. And and look, you know, we um, I think we we all read some great reporting on the juggalo community at large, which has a lot of Venn diagrams. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reality is that oftentimes people are totally civilians, but get popped for something and locked up. They find themselves needing to join a set uh, just to ensure their own protection or survival in those pretty brutal systems. Uh, which then complicates life, you know, when you get out, right? hundred percent. Dude, I mean, I, I think I may, I may have said this before when I was on the show, but I've been to jail one time and it was um, because I had an unpaid or at least my ticket that I sent in the money for hadn't shown up as being paid um, speeding ticket. And I was commuting a lot, like kind of on this like part of uh, between Atlanta and Athens, Georgia called 316 that goes through some kind of, you know, real small communities that like don't take payment online and so I had to send it in and uh, I got pulled over. I got, I got a little fender bender and um, my license had been suspended. I didn't know it even though I had sent in the payment and I went to jail and like there was this dude in the cell that I was in and he'd been in there for like four days for failure to pay child support. And what, what happens when you're in jail for four days? You, uh, you lose your job. <laughs> And then you can't pay child support. So it's like it is this. I mean, even just something as simple as that, and it's not gang related at all, is um, designed to keep you in the system and, and to just completely hamstring your whole existence. Yeah. Uh, guys, I don't, I don't know. I don't have much else for this one. I want to play one more message, if that's okay. Just want to say thank you to Mohawk Mick for sharing your story. That was thank uh, you. really enlightening. Thank you. And uh, this next message comes to us from Medic Grandma. That is uh, how that is how she labeled herself. It's not not applied. Um, this person is amazing. I talked to her on the phone for a little bit. She was calling in about the "Can Anyone Die at Disney?" episode that uh, that our friends came in and co-hosted or hosted guest hosted for us. Guest hosted. Mm-hmm. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome job. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is comments on that episode. Hi, this is Medic Grandma. I have been a paramedic for over 30 years doing 911. Nobody dies in my ambulance either. I was commenting on the show from Disney about Disney and nobody dying there. There's a very good explanation for that. Once a paramedic gets on scene, they can declare death or not. Once it's a not, that death is not declared until you get to the hospital. There's no in-between at all. So if I'm putting hands on a patient that is in cardiac arrest, which these patients would be at Disney, um, we either work it or we don't. Once we work it, they're not declared dead until they get to the hospital. So that would stand for the explanation of nobody dies at Disney because once the paramedic puts hands on, they don't declare death once they start that level of treatment. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye-bye. That yeah. is I mean, interesting. I was, thanks so much, Medic Grandma. And, and Matt, you, you spoke with our, our fellow listener directly. Did you glean any additional information? Oh, a ton. Oh, my gosh. I, her, her name is Deanna, and I'm allowed to say that. Uh, I could have talked to her for hours, guys. I think we could have had a really long conversation with her. Uh, one of the biggest things, I mean, she said it in the message there, once a paramedic arrives, right, whether that's EMS or EMT, right, uh, on different, there are different levels of EMT, right? There's kind of a basic trained EMT, an advanced trained EMT, and then a full-on paramedic. And there's levels of care associated with each of those that can be applied if the... Uh, the un- unconsensual Uber arrives, Ben. I told her that you say that all the time on the show, and that's non-consensual <laughs> that's Uber. Yeah. Non-consensual Uber. Yeah. Um, but she was just talking about the, the different levels of care that are associated when an ambulance shows up to you. And that person, if they're a paramedic, can declare someone dead on the scene, right? So, oh, and, and if okay. that occurs, if that occurs, then the ambulance is not used as transport. Right. Mm-hmm. So the ambulance is only used to transport a patient that needs care 
to a hospital facility. I was going to ask if only a doctor can declare someone dead because that would sort of be like a open and shut answer to this question. But you're, you're saying that uh, a paramedic, someone at a higher level of uh, of that kind of, you know, on the spot care can do that. Yes. And, and Deanna was saying that uh, once it's what she said in the message, once that patient enters the ambulance, care is provided. So let's say that person goes into full cardiac arrest, their heart stops. The paramedic or the EMT, whoever's in there, is going to revive that person if possible, right? Um, 100% of the time. Like they will just, they will attempt to revive that person the entirety of the time. They will give, the, depending on the level of care, they can administer different drugs that can, like you've seen it in the movies, that can shock someone back into at least their heart beating, right? Um, it was just fascinating to, to hear her talk about how much can occur there. And there were so many other tangential things we talked about guys i didn't realize that emts and emergency responders like medical response that is the most assaulted role of any first responder 100 I, I never would have thought that never would they're have also that. they're also cartoonishly underpaid for being on the front lines it's um and for me do- i think they're doctors they're doctors or they're they're at least medical professionals right mm-hmm. um my goodness, I didn't realize that just it's the nature of having to put your hands physically on a patient, right? To provide care to somebody. And depending on if there's a mental health crisis going on or if there's a family member of a patient that is angry about whatever situation, uh, you could get you could get in a bad situation real quick as a that first responder. That never occurred to me. No. Um, that is fascinating. Have you guys seen the film Bringing Out the Dead? Yes. Yes. It's, I mean, it's very stylized. It's very, you know, Scorsese-fied, but it is, it is, I, I was always very taken by it, you know, it, you know, going from the perspective of, you know, one of these professionals, you know, and like all the weird, crazy situations that they can find themselves in. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a movie, but, um, and it's not always going, I mean, like, it's not always going for realism exactly, but it's interesting. I think it's something that you don't really think about just like how, there's probably TV series that deal with it as well that I'm not thinking of. Those aren't really my cup of tea, but I always think of that. And now you saying all these things is kind of coming to mind. I think it's worth a watch. It's a tremendously important position in real life, and it's often ignored. Uh, There's a very non-fictional, very real need for EMTs, need for paramedics, need for life-saving first responders. I mean, right now, if you are in the Atlanta metro area, you will see that in that part of the world alone, there are almost 400 uh, different job offers, right? Uh, that's, that yes. is a big problem. It's like up there no, with sure. um, the recognition that teachers still never get. Well, that's what Deanna was saying. Agreed. There's a massive nationwide mm-hmm. shortage of yep. paramedics, like especially fully trained paramedics, uh, but EMTs in general as well. Um, it, she was just saying it is an extremely mentally and physically taxing profession. And she is a bit of a unicorn having worked for 30 years in the field. And then the way things have evolved, surely, Mm -hmm. you know, laws and um, technology and all of that. That's the burnout. Oh, Oh, burnout, dude. And the thing she's a fellow Atlantan, by the way. And the thing, one of the things that I pointed out that I had no idea there are private companies that provide the 911 emergency responder care for huge parts of Georgia, huge parts of the United States, because county services can't handle the volume that's required. So there are these private companies. I think AMR is the one that handles DeKalb County, which is here in Atlanta. And it's just interesting. There's so much stuff there, guys, about how 911 as a service is attempting to be uh, turned into a profitable enterprise. Oh, fine. Just what yeah. we need. Well, right? it's starve the beast, right? What you do is you, what you do is you cripple public services that taxpayers are paying for, and then you use that as a um, a misleading way to say, "Look how bad this service is. It would be better if it's privatized." And then you give your buddies and your campaign donors some stuff off the top, a little bit of a vigorish, and then you say, "Look how good this is," and you just don't talk about how rarely privatization works. Dude. I mean, you could dress it up however you want, but that is the order of operations. 
Yep. It's the same with like DUI schools and, and, and like, you know, third party uh, groups that interface with, uh, with, with, you know, local law enforcement uh, in, in terms of rehabilitation, AKA pay me <laughs> to, 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 to be able to return back to normal. It all goes into what we were talking about just a little while ago about people getting stuck in the system. It, yep. It's a lot of that is, you know, just a, a, a money cycle, a money pit, you know, it really is. Tons of problems with healthcare in this country, guys. Yeah, don't get me started. There was a time in DeKalb County when an ambulance ride, when it was the county running it, used to run you three hundred bucks flat fee. Mm-hmm. It's thousands now, I think. Not that way anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's why. Ask yourself why people are in life-threatening uh, situations, or even like in the midst of giving birth to a human being, and say, "Let's call the Uber. Let's call the Lyft." Because our insurance company won't know we'll about it, it and they won't tax us uh, because your local insurance company is probably a for-profit entity. You should not Woo-hoo! have to think about those kinds of things. You don't in <laughs> other countries. At the, and look, you know, people might say, oh, you're, you guys are being soapboxy or whatever. But we're speaking factually here. Uh, and thank you to Medic Ramon. Thanks also to Mohawk Mick there. But like the thing is. Ask yourself this, aside from calling an Uber in an emergency situation, ask yourself what the number one cause of death is in the United States. Now, it's packaged as a lot of things. It's packaged as things like heart failure, cardiac arrest, cancer, etc. But really, if you look at it, the number one cause of death is not being able to afford privatized medical care. And with that, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with one more message from you. Yes, you. And in this case, we're talking about you, uh, old shark jumper. Um, that's who we're talking to or, or we're hearing from um, with a very, very in-depth and, and thoughtful and heartfelt email uh, about um, assisted, medically assisted suicide in Canada. So, so just a little trigger warning here. Um, we are going to talk about medically assisted suicide, but also this uh, email mentions 
non-medically assisted. So if this is something that is triggering for you or that's something that is uncomfortable, um, you could probably just, you know, skip to the credits. But here we go. Firstly, they call me Old Shark Jumper, and you have all the permissions required of me. I do live in Canada on an island off the west coast of British Columbia. I listened to your assisted suicide comments and felt compelled to write. A friend once told me he had terminal cancer, then went home and put a shotgun into his mouth. Because I'm older, I've had some experience with loved ones dying. When my mother passed, we had to tell them to unhook the machines that were keeping her heart beating. She was already brain dead. My first wife passed a few years ago. We had been married for almost 40 years at the time. She had cancer in her brain that had hemorrhaged into her brain. Uh, she was in a coma with no chance of survival and in pain. You could tell because of the way her face would move. The closest anyone came to suggesting an early death was a nurse who answered our questions about keeping her on fluids. She responded with the fact that we were prolonging her suffering. As a family, we stopped the, her fluids. I was in the room when the doctor came to tell my brother they were no longer treating his cancer. He was too weak to take the massive doses of chemo. It would kill him. And as doctors, they couldn't do that. I know how strong he was at that time and all the cancers he had, and they were correct. He lived about another week. I have remarried, and my present wife's first husband that she divorced uh, had cancer and made the decision to not have treatment. He lasted about three months before passing. In all these cases, we were not pressured to end anything early, and assisted suicide was not mentioned. I do know a lady who did use assisted suicide, and she was suffering from ALS. And when her quality of life got below what she wanted, she requested and was given it. Uh, at present, I have cancer. Hard to write. My chances are not great, but in no time has assisted suicide been mentioned. I'm going to get treatment and fight it. The people and counselors at the clinic uh, have been excellent and very supportive of living. I have given my family my instructions if I don't make it. In closing, I feel I should mention that the CBC is not always the Canadian Broadcasting Company, by the way. It's not always the best source. As they are government-funded and the present liberal government tends to expand their funding, uh, they definitely back that party as opposed to a party that wants to cut their funding. Hoping to continue hearing your excellent podcast, Old Shark Jumper. Thank you, Old Shark Jumper. We're thinking of you, man. No doubt. I mean, what a honest and candid email, you know, I mean, so many experiences and then, and then, you know, the, your personal experience as well. Um, this was of course, in, in reaction to our discussion of specifically medically assisted suicide. It wasn't, it wasn't about Canada though, right? We did a whole episode just on the concept and, and just, you know, the kind of troubled history of it and, and the lack of acceptance and it being very controversial, correct? It was specifically about Canada. It was from an earlier listener mail segment. Okay, but we've also done to it. bigger yeah. picture discussions of this in the past as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't. I, we also did a story though where, like, we we we've heard discussion over the handling of the conversation around assisted suicide is is very important, right? Like, yeah, yeah, people that's being from pushed that. towards it or, or like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, like literally almost being coerced into it. Right. Wasn't that part mm -hmm. of it too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was that listener mail segment where they, uh, where I believe it was listener mail. We had a fellow conspiracy realist write to us about the controversy, uh, the claims that there are being people who are kind of, well, the accusation, the allegations that they're being, uh, proactively offered the idea of medically assisted suicide uh, in a very vulnerable time in their lives. And it's, it's quite refreshing to hear Shark Jumper uh, say that in their experience, this is not the case. The it's implication almost stuff. being to free up beds or something, right? <laughs> like the callous implication. I, I think there was certain intent in that discussion. If I'm not, you know, it's hard to know what people are thinking, but did, didn't it seem like there were some patterns where, where perhaps it was being suggested prematurely even. Yeah, yeah. This is from uh, earlier this year in February, I want to say, we received an email from Ghost regarding um, allegations of forced medically assisted death. Very, very dangerous, very, very controversial stuff. But on the other hand, you know, given Shark Jumper's perspective and, and these situations, something that should be on the table, you know, for individuals to choose in in, in 
conjunction with, I guess, with input from their families. I mean, it's ultimately should be up to the person. But the idea of this, this woman this, that he was discussing who felt that her quality of life had fallen below what she wanted, you know, no one should have to take that into their own hands with a with a weapon, you know? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a controversial thing to say, but it feels like the obvious choice to me anyway. Maybe I'm missing something. It's a... It's fraught. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, you know, it's a strange thing. It feels like you should be able to choose. You, we have agency, right? We have free will, theoretically. Um, Is if it it's, technically if, illegal to kill yourself? Like, if you fail, can you, like, get in trouble? I know that I'm, I'm not being funny. I, I'm, I'm just... Mm-hmm. It depends on the um, it depends on the country. Suicide is a crime in some parts of the world, and if you look at a place like Japan, for instance, where some people have taken their own lives by jumping in front of a train, which also <laughs> also occurs in in other metro areas. Of course, I want to single out Japan. Then what you see is in some cases families are fined for the cleanup. Or other damages that might occur, which well, seems putting others in danger. Cold. Yeah, I mean, it is putting other people in danger for sure. You're right about that. But as far as whether or not it is on the books of crime, it depends on the part of the world that you are in. Uh, in the U.S. right now, I think it actually goes state by state. So in many states, suicide itself, the act is legal. Please, folks, do not confuse that in any way with us condoning the practice. We very much are not. No, it's just, it's just a question that popped into my head. Um, yeah, I don't know where else to go with it. I just really think this was just an opportunity to see, uh, much like uh, with um, the Juggalo story. I know it's very, very, very different, but to see from the inside how these kinds of things really affect people. You know, um, it's one thing to, to read a story about like a, a, a law or, or, you know, something, an event, but it's another thing entirely to really hear it from someone who's, who's lived it and, and sees how it, you know, really shakes out in IRL. That's redundant, just IRL. So I don't, I don't know that there's really much else to say. Thank you, Shark Jumper, for the uh, old Shark Jumper, for, for the really sobering perspective and, and thoughtful email. Um, we're we're going to now end the show with something a little different. That's right. Yes. Uh, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to share something, you know, in listener mail, we've been endeavoring to kind of close on, uh, some up notes, uh, and, uh, and, you know, we opened the door to terrible puns a while back, right. Or, you know, amazing puns, Right, it's I be the beholder situation. Uh, we got an email from our good pal, friend of the show, Samurai, and Samurai wanted to share with us a poem that he co-wrote uh, with ChatGPT impersonating Edgar Allan Poe. The prompt he gave was "Explain the stuff they don't want you to know" podcast in the style of Edgar Allan Poe, <laughs> and so. GPT wrote a poem, a poem, an Edgar Allan poem. Oh, yeah. No pun left behind. Yeah. 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 yeah, So we are going to, um, we are going to amaze ourselves or prompt some groans uh, by collectively sharing this poem with our fellow listeners on air. Uh, Start this way. We'll just switch back and forth. Once upon a midnight dreary, as I pondered weak and weary, over many a curious volume of the strange and unexplained lore, suddenly there came a tapping, as if someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Okay, I don't think ChatGPT made that part. (laughs) 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 Who could it be, I muttered, disturbing me at this late hour? Is it a friend, a foe, or something far more bizarre? But as I opened wide the door, there... Oh, sorry. (coughs) Sorry, let me go ahead. (coughs) But as I opened wide the door, there stood a trio, nothing more. Ben, Noel, and Matt, the hosts of a podcast I did adore. The stuff they don't want you to know, they whispered in my ear, and thus began a journey... Ben, Ben, can you do it like real ASMR whispery, (laughs) creepy, like actually whispering in your ear? Keep the whole thing in, Super Shift. We'll do uh, do it. We'll do it with a quiet storm. 
The stuff they don't want you to know, they whispered in my ear, and thus began a journey through the mysteries we hold so dear. From secret societies and cover-ups, to the paranormal and the strange, the hosts explored the depths of the unknown, seeking answers to arrange. But as I listened to their tales, I couldn't help but feel a chill, for the truth they sought was often elusive, hidden from us still. And yet, they urged their listeners to question and to seek, to never settle for easy answers, but to explore and to critique. And so, as I bid the hosts adieu and closed my chamber door, I knew I'd come back to... The stuff they don't want you to know for more. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Samurai. Thank you, Chat GPT, which I didn't I didn't think we would say today. Uh, thank you to Mohawk Mike. Thank you so much to Medic Grandma. Thank you to Old Shark Jumper. And of course, thank you to Tone. Do you want to be a part of our show, folks? We would love to have you on a weekly listener mail segment. All you have to do is open the door. And uh, there are many doors to open. Yeah, one of them or several of them exist on the Internet uh, in the form of social media uh, where we are conspiracy stuff uh, at YouTube, um, Facebook, where we have our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. And also Twitter, uh, conspiracy stuff show on Instagram and TikTok. If you like to use your phone, call 1-833-STDWYTK. It's a voicemail system. You've got three minutes. Give yourself a cool moniker. We don't care what your name is as long as it's not your real government name. Do not give us your government name. Yeah, like Deanna. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) She said we should use it. (laughs) If, If you give us permission... Okay, that's fine. We'll say whatever uh, you want. Basically, what we're saying is we'll call you whatever you want. That's correct. As long as it's not obscene. Please do let us know if we can use your name and message on the air. If you don't want to call us, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.